Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 5 of the Future of Internal Communication podcast, brought to you by the Institute of Internal Communication. This podcast explores the evolving world of internal communication in the future of work. I'm Jen Sproul, Chief Exec of the ROIC, and I've teamed up with Kat Barnard, Partner at Work in the Future, and we're joined by Don Walters, our Leadership Comms expert. And together we host a conversation about the changing nature of internal communication. And in each episode, we're joined by a special guest. As COVID continues to disrupt business as usual, where we work remains up in the air. What does this mean for organisations? Hybrid working, the blend of working from home and part from the office is now considered as an optimal solution in a world where most things are far from certain. Yet hybrid itself is a far from perfect. It limits how we effectively communicate and collaborate within our organisations. So in this episode, we explore some of the issues with hybrid and examine the opportunity for communicators to build a future of work where all participants are seen, heard and valued regardless of location. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 5 of the Future of Internal Communication podcast with myself, Kat Barnard, and my co-hosts, Jen Sproul and Don Waters. This episode, we're going to chat about hybrid work and explore the pros and cons of virtual versus live to find points of human connection. Our guest this week is Monique Zitnick, who is a senior communication and marketing professional with over 18 years experience in internal and external relations, including global media relations, brand management and digital communications. She's worked nationally and internationally in government, corporate, not-for-profit, member-based and startup sectors. Welcome, Monique. How are you doing? Hi, thanks, Kat. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Dom. So I thought we could kickstart um, our session today with you just giving a tiny bit more background about your, your experience and your life in internal communications. Thanks, Kat. So I work with an organisation called Open Communication and we're a global internal communications agency. And through that, I've had the privilege of seeing uh, sort of the challenges that some of our clients are facing at the moment, but I've also come from an in-house environment. Um, so the I previously worked at the Australian Taxation Office and that's an Australia-wide organisation and it was very, very hybrid in the way that, for example, my manager was in Sydney, I had a team in Melbourne and also a direct report in Canberra. So I've got direct experience from a couple of years ago working with a hybrid team and we were also really lucky to have um, teleconferencing facilities and we had um, integrated web conferencing and that was pre-COVID and then COVID obviously came along and everything went a little bit uh, crazy and a lot of organisations had to suddenly jump on a digital uh, workplace and, and work platforms and deal with that. And that's what I've been seeing with my work, working with open communication. And that's also a really interesting situation because I'm based in Berlin and we've got headquarters in Copenhagen and in Cape Town. So I'm actually working directly remotely from our two key offices, but I work from a shared co-working space. So there are lots of little areas and little 
um, nuggets and tips and tricks that I can share with you um, from working remotely because I'm one of those people who need people around me. I like to collaborate. I like to bounce. Um, but yeah, my team, my clients, everybody has been in a different city or a different country for most of the time, at least of the past two years. Well, Molly, can we start really by asking a question, I guess, that many people think about when they, they, they consider remote working or, or teams that are dispersed across the, across the world, uh, and that's about how it impacts your career. Now, I, in the UK, for example, when COVID was... Uh, I was going to say when it was going away, but certainly when it looked like it was going away, then the government's message was basically go back to the office, otherwise your career is in danger. And now that in the UK we, we're going, we've been told to work from home again, for at least moment, for a moment, um, many organisations are saying that it's going to damage people's careers, particularly young people. So it'd be great to get your take on how real those risks are. What is the risk to um, remote workers of being marginalised and perhaps being passed over for promotion? Well, it's really interesting. There's been some really great research that's come out through Microsoft, for example, and they've actually shown that the older workers, um, the workers who are needing more flexibility are actually thriving in this remote work environment. So I've got two kids and it's fabulous for me that I can work from home one day if I have to look after the kids when they're home from school early or um, duck down to the office, which is literally down the road because it's a co-working space, and get that peace and quiet when I need it as well. But the people who are really struggling, and the research has shown this, are the people um, who are onboarding. So onboarding to a new co- a company where there might be some people in the office or people who have been there a long time and they're missing out on that water cooler conversation. They're missing out on uh, that feedback that one might get from their manager after a meeting hey that was really good you know did you have any thoughts for next time you present those kind of little feedback um, tips and tricks that come through casual conversation Um, and also the new people to roles people who are needing that additional mentoring and quite often struggle without that face-to-face um, support there and and yeah that's that's what the research has shown and also uh, I can say anecdotally through my experience with clients um, we did a big audit for example with a company about their internal communications and it was definitely a, a couple of the younger people who were voicing that they they didn't feel included um, that they felt lost and um, they felt disconnected from their team as a result, result, direct result of the remote working, and that came out through focus groups. There was an article, I think, in the paper in the UK um, within the past week, obviously when we got the announcement that it was imminent that we would all need to revert to working from home where possible, the papers obviously, as they do, went completely crazy. But there was one particular article that was um, had interviewed, I would say, late millennial, early Gen Z workers. And actually, what I gleaned from that this time was that there was generically a real sense of um, uh, just unhappiness about having to go back to work from home because 
because the social aspect of work is so so important and that I mean Jen I know we've talked about that in the past you know that first decade of work is absolutely um, intrinsic to the relationships that you go on to form you know a lot of people happen to meet their life partners at work we certainly build really powerful bonds don't we with with friendship groups when we're at work um so so it's a really interesting i mean this is turning into the not our podcast obviously but the whole covid age um scenario is just turning into the most enormous social experiment isn't it and I think I find it, I don't know what you guys think, but I find it quite irritating when you get these overarching sensationalist headline statements about this, that or the other, because actually everything is context led and everything is very nuanced and and we're all experiencing our own um, pandemic journey, mm-hmm. really, aren't we? I, I, the analogy that I like is um, same storm but different boats. But, uh, for example, the parents who were stuck with homeschooling and then the people who were single and alone at home. But I think that's a, that's a whole other topic and one to delve into. I mean, my boys, the moment they walk into a store, they immediately put a mask on or pull their jumper up over their nose and mouth without even thinking. And that's actually quite disturbing as a parent to realise that that's a habit and something that they see as normal yeah I agree and you know I'm just reflecting on on all the things and I I agree I think always my concern has been you know I think about those early years of my career and actually the the connections and the way I was able to influence and understand and I think there's also this exposure challenge you know the exposure you you learn through just seeing what's going on through around you and I think that's really challenging but it's also I think leading to this kind of fairness so well why should one generation not have what they want which is flexibility to look after their children for the sake of another generation and it leads to this real dichotomy and this real challenge and and I think that that's going to be something that we're going to have to really continue to work through for a very very long time but it's also a, a place I think the internal communication has to play a really pivotal role in driving that understanding to work out how we can find maybe it's sometimes compromise maybe it's sometimes a way that there's solutions or nuances that that can be then built around that so and we because we know connection is really important we know empathy is really important we know understanding each other is really important um and that's a lot of in these podcasts we've talked about is what's our role in the future is actually consult um consulting coaching connecting bridging together people so i guess in this kind of hybrid world from your point of view how do we how do we build i don't know if there's a simple answer to it um build connection inclusion across the sort of hybrid flexible workforce so that everyone feels valued and and rewarded and and giving the careers that all the ways of working that they want to desire can we achieve that can we really truly get there i think that hybrid work and flexibility in work is the new diversity and inclusion topic it is the one that has leapt on our doorstep and we cannot ignore it. There are lots of things that we can do as communicators 
for example, um, working closely with HR and IT to make sure that the technology that is put in place and is available to employees is integrated, it has purpose. There is, as you said, the learning component so that you have the awareness campaigns, you have the onboarding um, that nobody's left behind in terms of their abilities. I've, I've again, had other focus groups with other organisations and there are senior leaders who have teams and they were just given teams, Microsoft Teams, and they use it for video conferencing, but then they still email PDFs around to each other because they don't understand the rest of the functionality and the collaborative uh, components that that these products offer. So there's that that knowledge and understanding, and I think comms really has a very strong change comms role there for the technology. Then there's also the education, the manager at, at the height of COVID. It was the CEO who is at the front, who is leading, you know, into the battle and keeping the company together. But now it's really, really the middle managers who are responsible for the team, responsible for the changes, whether they are in the office or they're not, or they're fully working hybrid. And then I think comms also has a responsibility for looking into the future as to the different um, models and being able to advise senior management on different working models. So what I mean by this is that some companies are choosing to be either office-based or um, remote or with a little bit of a hybrid component. Facebook, for example, in Europe is hiring for complete remote engineering teams. The idea is that they are um, interviewed, brought on board, you get to meet different people online and then you form your own teams online and you never actually meet, that you're um, you're completely remote and you have all the tools and everything that you need to do your job. Um, where, whereas ev- everybody knows, I mean, there's a Facebook office here in Berlin. They do have offices, but it's a strategic way of looking at these issues so there's a lot of different things that we can do and Mike Klein is really at the forefront um, of this and has some very interesting ideas and I definitely recommend people to to have a listen in terms of yeah he's very very much the idea that there is not going to be any hybrid in the end it'll be one or the other um, I think there's something that I would pick up on that you mentioned there, which is of real interest to me. And, and I know, and it ties in with a theme that we've talked about on the on the podcast previously. You know, we have all of these um, tools, technologies, platforms, etc. at our disposal. And yet the pace at which, um, you know, business life runs today kind of outstrips our capacity for leveraging these tools any more than like a minimum viable point of usage. So we're kind of all newbies scrambling around just about, you know, just about figuring out how to use them. And yet, like you described about, you know, the story that you told there of the leaders and they've been, you know, forced into using Teams and yet around the edges they're still emailing 
um, PDF documents because they don't know what the tool can offer as an entirety. And there is that piece, isn't there? Because if I'm blunt and I'll, you know, I'll be shot down for this, most people that I know that work in IT aren't natural born communicators. And so rarely are they, they the people that would sit and explain to your typical user, did you know this tool can also do this, this, this. It seems to me as a as a user, and I would qualify myself as as um, a minimum viable user, that there are so many of these tools and platforms that that haven't got a user guide attached to them. It's almost for you to figure out how to to work them and to manoeuvre around them. So there's this big gap, actually, isn't there, in terms of here are the tools and here are the opportunities for us to optimise them. And I guess, you know, one, one of the things that we do in this podcast series is we we explore the expanding role of internal communication, looking at not only, you know, what we think will become kind of a business as usual activity in terms of distribution of information and knowledge around the organisation, but but also the emergent roles um, and opportunities. And it strikes me, and I, I Dom, Jen, please um, butt in, but it strikes me that there's a really interesting piece here, which is that it could easily be the case that you have technically competent um, enablers of communication stepping into that gap and almost intersecting between IT and internal comms to help the users leverage the tools better. Absolutely. This is the this is the partnership that I was mentioning before about um, IT, internal comms and HR. And now more than ever, we need to be collaborating right from the start from the very start of every single project it, does this tool make sense in our channel in our channel mix there is there are uh, there are so many products out there and there are so many um so uh, microsoft has a zillion products and you can dump them on all of your people and they're not going to know which channels to use for what and then there are then there's you know you can add you know, just for fun, let's pop Skype and some other Zoom into the mix and then people are just confused as to where they're supposed to be meeting and what they're supposed to be doing. And it's this clear channel strategy and recommendation and, and even challenging IT people, yes, we know this is the latest and greatest tool, but how is it going to be used? How does it fit into the rest of the channels? How do we how do we tweak those channels? Do we need to get rid of something? Do we need to phase something out? And then actively working with HR on those change programs on the learning and development so that people do feel comfortable. And I think, dare I, dare I um, say more broadly, if there is fear and people aren't on board with something new, whether it is vaccination, whether it is technology, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, people are going to be left behind. People are not going to be included. And then there's a sad, sorry bunch having their own party in the corner. And and it's really, it's, yeah, it's vital that I think this is real direction that internal comms can step into. And anyone who is an internal comms, get excited, see what's out there and um, educate yourself. There's some amazing technology that's coming up, Microsoft Mesh, that's supposed to be released 
later this year. And I, I do a lot of work with 3D environments. And this is a 3D environment that's integrated with Teams. It has hologram capabilities. And this is what's being promised to us. So we'll see. But the technology is potentially scary. And I think if, if we're not there from the start, if we're not there to, to guide and, and to introduce people to it and to work with the tech team and make sure there's a clear communication purpose, then it could be either a huge lost opportunity or an expensive project. One of the, uh, the frequently referred to topics we've discussed in this series is around uh, internal communication grasping opportunities to really play the role it can. And it sounds like we're facing one now. There's a great, or sorry, we have the opportunity now that to, to really prove our worth. And that, that seems to be almost um, uh, IT's representatives on earth to take the wonderful examples they've got and, and show people how they can use them, how they can make them effective. Um, but obviously also, people listening to this, many of them will be internal communicators, will be saying, you know, what else can we do? Because there seem to be a lot of opportunities here. Um, so in, in your experience, Monique, what, what are some of the things that internal communication can do? What can they do to help build connection and this all-important sense of community in this new distributed world? I think it is not only about educating yourself on the technology and the challenges at the moment, but actually going right back to the basics, and this is so reassuring because it's the basic skills that we as communicators have of being strategic, understanding your company and understanding what the specific pain points are that need to be addressed because there is not a one-size-fits-all. There are companies that are fully um, distributed um, so there are companies who every single employee is being given a budget and everybody works from home and it's always going to be that way. And um, there are other companies that are insisting on people being back in the office and they have different challenges. And, yeah, I, th- I think technology and, and best practice is really that employee dig- digital experience, the employee workplace um, is is where we need to constantly be seeing what's new and constantly being critical on whether or not it suits our our company's best interest and our people's best interest. And within that, what, what do you see the scope for internal communicators to get involved in coaching? Because I imagine you need, as a, as a worker within a distributed organisation, you need different skills, you need to be better at projecting yourself, at putting your ideas across, at connecting with people. What, what, what have you seen around that in terms of coaching? Well, I think I think particularly senior leader coaching is mm. a huge essential skill for us to have. And that's, I mean, that's what I would see as the trusted advisor role. That's the advisor, as I said, who can um, question, say, the head of IT's decision on a particular product and also the trusted advisor role who can advise them on how to present those ideas Mm. to the company in the best possible light so that they reach the hearts and the minds of the people so that they don't make it scary so that they make it exciting so it's it's that messaging component as well and as I said I think that the great news is this is fundamentally the core of what we do as communicators it's just Mm. 
needing to be applied so much more broadly. And it's, it's something that every single senior leader, every single CEO should have their communicator by their side, seeking their advice, um, helping them to understand you know, what is going on the ground, making sure that you've got those feedback loops in place as well. And again, feedback loops is, you know, a very bread and butter thing for, for communicators, but it's so essential in this fast moving time as well that, that that pulse on the ground isn't measured once or twice a year, that it's, it's seen through, you know, Yammer stats, through analytics on Yammer on an everyday basis, that it's, you know, through the conversations that it's collected through feedback forms and that it's all aggregated and um, presented to the leaders. So my answer, perhaps is a bit of a long one, but basically is we've got the skills and it just needs to be more broadly applied and is more necessary than ever. Well, can I ask one more cheeky question about this? Because you, you, you sparked a thought. You sparked a great well, a number of great thoughts. One is, if I'm listening to this and I'm, I'm a member of a team, I'm not a communicator perhaps, or at least I'm not directly a communicator, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm working in a more um, disparate way. I'm, I'm not really – I'm working from home most of the time. What can I do to raise my profile, to keep connected, to make sure that people are hearing my voice? What are the best things I should be doing? It's a hard question, I know, but it'd be great to get your take on that. Again, I think it's uh, depend, and this is the, the role of the manager in the team. Um, for example, we have um, we have morning meetings where every single person in the organisation logs in for fifteen minutes, and it's half an hour on Friday for kind of a showcase type thing, um, and it's about making sure that your voice is heard so a good manager should be facilitating that should be giving opportunity to the team members and um, maybe rotating who's presenting um, maybe rotating who's um, showcasing something maybe rotating ownership so when I was at the ATO we had um, a very able but shy person and um, we made him the scrum master of our morning Trello and that was his opportunity to step up and take leadership. So that was making sure he was visible because he was in charge and I think that comes back to those manager skills. Mm. And then obviously you need to be as an individual careful that you're not stepping on other people's toes. So that's on a personal small front. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just this think I don't know if Captain Dom have, have a view on this as well, and because we've talked a lot about our opportunities to coach, to consult, and all those sorts of things. But actually, what what, what you know, I'm tuning into here a lot as well, and picking out from is is this manager role and what we're doing, and actually, do we need to be in the business now or, or helping in the business of our organisations re-educate and reprogram and resupport? managers to enable them and that at a team level because if you start at team level then it can it can have a ripple effect mm-hmm. um and actually and then with an internal communicator i wonder if there's that opportunity to shadow to help them understand 
you know, how you use tools, how you use those styles. I, I know that takes mass resources. We've talked about it for years. But it feels like there's this kind of real manager challenge where at the moment we're just going, yeah, we've turned on this tool, you know, use that for your team meetings, you know. And then suddenly as a manager, you're sat there going, yeah, but I've got this person that's like this and this person that doesn't like this or this person that wants to be in the mornings or in the evenings. And then you're just being, oh, we'll just work it out, will you? Whereas we're not helping them to figure out the techniques through whether that's their style to do that as well as then perhaps bringing in a support person for them to help them then understand how you can use tools technologies Mm -hmm. messages to to enable the vision that you've got I mean I don't know if if, I don't know Dominic you've got to because I look at you as the sort of the manager side is that something that we we need to do more we we actually haven't spent enough time thinking about I think you're right I mean it's totally the case that uh, um if nothing else, in the last 18 months, it's shown that leaders are the are the, uh, the main face of an organisation. They're the people that mm-hmm. most people identify as being their organisation. So therefore, they have to be really good at the casual side of communication. It's it, the, all the things we've spoken about in this series around conversation, about using the right questions, about demonstrating curiosity, about listening effectively, about knowing what to do with the stuff that you get back, um, about not being scared of not knowing the right answers so that you do engender conversation and you don't close it off because you're feeling vulnerable. Um, Creating the right atmosphere in which people are able to raise issues because when people are at home, uh, they may be feeling all sorts of things and they don't feel as though they can bring it up. And uh, as Monique was saying, managers have a role to play in, in that. So I think a lot of the coaching that I've been seeing has been a lot around that. Um, when you look at leadership coaching around communication, it is how do you have conversations? How do you take advantage of informal conversations? Because again, when you have limited number of times to meet with people, you have to make every occasion count which means you need to ask questions to find out how people are feeling as well as give them information. So I think it's been, uh, these skills have always been important. They're more important now. And I think a lot of organisations mm-hmm. are, uh, are recognising it. But Monique, sorry, I'm good to get your take oh, no, on no, it. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Don. And I think it's also adapting those skills um, that managers have for this remote or hybrid environment because we cannot rely anymore on meeting with people. We cannot rely on, I will catch up with that person and see how they're going. You actually, and, and I've had this as well, you have to be brave and, and, and you know, you're on camera and it feels a little bit weird, but you've got that relationship with a person and say to them, you know, I noticed, you know, things have been slipping a little bit and you've been not reacting in your usual way. I just want to check you, okay, do you want to talk about anything or... I just wanted to let you know that I've that sort of start those conversations and also as a manager foster that psychological safety where people feel that they can raise issues without having any negative effect on their career, that they can be open and and because you are relying on them more to let you know when there are problems. And there were some techniques, for example, when I had um, a remote team member in, in, who, who was in another city, um, what I would do was I would find another manager and get them to buddy up in person with them. So there are ways where you can use your network as a manager to support your team members indirectly. Um, but going back to your your comments about 
the support that we give um, managers more generally as communications professionals. Um, this is something that I know Russell Oliver Brookland is very much focused on, that IC governance um, topic and actually giving mandates um, to managers and putting in, for example, their performance review, these communication skills as no longer a nice to have, but a requisite for managers. Because unfortunately, managers are subject, sometimes subject matter experts who have been promoted and not necessarily given the skills and training for those leadership roles, even if it is at a team level. And that's where we're really needing those people management skills, but they're not necessarily there. And that's that partnership between comms and HR that's, again, really essential. Making me think about um, this whole kind of skills expansion opportunity for the for the internal comms profession. And um, I mean, we've been working um, to get Jen and I have been working together for the last couple of years to put together resources and material for internal communication professionals to understand the emergent opportunity for them in the future of work. And we produced a business case um, report a year or so ago, which if, if nobody, you know, if you have not come across that as a listener, go and check it out. It's on the um, Institute's website. But what I'm minded of was, do you remember when we created um, that kind of diagram, Jen, of, you know, the past of internal communication, mm -hmm. the now and the future? And what strikes me, actually, as, as I'm listening to this conversation and as we're recording all of these episodes, is there's so much more than, than we had considered pre-pandemic in terms of emergent opportunity and yet, and I know we had talked about this in a previous episode when we had Colin Archer on, you know, if you wait to be given the opportunity, you're probably not going to get the opportunity that you want, actually. If you wait until you have a performance appraisal where somebody else within the organisation has divided up the tasks and decided this is what you're going to get, you're probably not going to get what you feel you could deliver and and so I think I would encourage any person working in internal comms to sit down with a blank sheet of paper and think about and document all the areas in which they could add value, in which they could integrate. It doesn't matter if on paper that looks like the role of three people. Actually, that's a justification for expanding your team. And I think what's interesting about that in particular is uh anecdotally i have a friend at the moment who's actually being made redundant and she works in the space of internal comms employee experience and interestingly as they're going through the redundancy process they're talking to her about the skills that applied to a job description that was last updated x years ago and there's all this other stuff that she does in the course of her daily work life that hasn't even been thought about. And I think that's a really interesting point as well is, you know, we've talked on previous episodes about perhaps not having the courage or the conviction to own our space, but actually as, as communicators, we need to own that space. And we, 
we need to educate on what it is we actually bring to the table to glue the organization together to glue every single participant contributor within the organization wherever they are whether they're in one country or the next country what time zone whether they're working from home whether they're in the office wherever they are we're the glue right and whatever the manifestation is of that glue whatever the physical embodiment is of that glue that's what we are and that's what we deliver to an organization so actually mapping out for yourself what you do today what you feel your organization needs you to do moving forward and hopefully these episodes really bring to life some of that possibility I think that's a really powerful exercise to do and I think once you know as well Kat is not a wait for permission just go and do it I, I remember a manager many many years ago uh, probably in 2010, I think, um, I was uh, sort of a bit, you know, wanted a, a certain opportunity and they said, well, why don't you just go and make it happen? Why don't you step forward and create the case? And that was a sort of for me in, in my younger self, that moment of, oh, yeah, actually it is my choice. You know, you can put your hand up for projects that are in, the area where you think you can add value. You can, you know, go and have a coffee with someone and ask questions and be curious, as you were saying, Dom, and you can offer suggestions and then, you know, you, you, you're adding value and and your influence expands. And I almost like see it as a, a bubble that you can kind of expand a bit and you can also move around with and, um, you know, get into nooks and crannies where people didn't realize they need you but now they do because you're there and you're helping that's been brilliant Monique and it, you know we're, we're coming to the end of time now but there is so much to t- take away from that and I and I think with every episode is their encouragement grab it go for it be brave do it do it now don't sit on it um but I think the what from the uh, what we're talking about is building that sense of connection in a virtual hybrid world you can be done the technology or tools can enable it but it has to be built on a foundation of enabling and supporting those that are going to utilize those those, that infrastructure to drive that kind of feeling and i think that we are going to continue a social experiment we need to keep listening we need to keep having those conversations keep supporting people um, because we want to create inclusive workplaces and actually inclusivity in a, in a world of more choice and more preference is hard to create. Um, and that takes skill, that takes conversation, but the technology and things that are coming up from 3D was, I thought something about avatars the other day, you know, there's things that can be done, um, but we need, to, we need to invest the energy rather than just start with, the, with to get the infrastructure right. And then the tools will hopefully enable that, that down, the, down the pipeline as well. And, and I would just add into that one last point, which I always think is quite salient and it emanates from my wranglings in the technology world pre-working the future. And it is quite simply that technology is an enabler. So it can bring us so far, it can, it can get us started, but it is the human dynamic that creates the optimization. So anybody, that may be listening, that may have been thinking, oh, you know, it's all about the tools and the platforms and the channels. No, 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 no. I reckon that's possibly about 20%. And the rest is 
how do we bring this to life? How do we orchestrate? How do we create harmony? Mm. And to your earlier points, inclusion and connection using these tools. Mm. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Monique, for joining us on the podcast and to my co-host, Kat and Dom. Um, it's been wonderful to chat with you and so much to go away and think about. And hopefully for those listening, we you will we'll, you'll tune in for our next episode after this one. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. And this episode has been brought to you by the Easter of Internal Communication and was hosted by myself, Jen Sproul, Kat Barnard and Dominic Walters. And we've been discussing how to optimise hybrid working. This episode was produced by Jessica Williams and Shabita Luogonpalu. And if you enjoyed this episode today, we'd be enormously grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on the channel you use to tune in to let others know that we're here. Hopefully you'll tune in again next time.